Thank you so much, Sharapa, for another great show, the NOLA Americana Show. This is 102.3 WHIV, and we're getting ready to get started with NOLA Matters. And it's a great pleasure to have everybody on air. We have a great lineup of guests uh, scheduled as we slowly fade out here. Again, thank you with Noel Americana. Thank you, Sharapa. WHIV is a community radio station, and we provide a platform for independent voices. With your support, all WHIV hosts and DJs are volunteers. We do this service for the community because now more than ever, we need a radio station dedicated to human rights and social justice. So please consider becoming a monthly member of WHIV by setting up recurring amounts of any donation that you wish. All donations to WHIV are tax deductible. So you can help our station by also uh, purchasing a swag off of our uh, off the website, whivfm.org. We have T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, all sorts of good stuff. All uh, monies that go to WHIV uh, support all of our endeavors. So thank you for your continued support. We really do uh, appreciate it uh, greatly. Without y'all, we would not uh, be able to do what we do here. And it is uh, with great pleasure that we do what we do here. So uh, this is 102.3 and a WHIV um, we are not a radio station with a mission. We are a mission with a radio station and Noel Matter starts right now. I'm not sure why I'm not. Hang on one quick second. All right. Well, we are having some technical difficulties, and so that's not unusual for what we do here. So uh, with that being said, uh, our uh, our uh, theme music is not uh, starting up right now, and that's largely because I have a guest on the phone, uh, and I would imagine that that's probably using the bandwidth uh, to be able to run our typical... Um, our typical uh, uh, theme song that we uh, love to uh, start the show with. Uh, so with that being said, it is a pleasure to have uh, Mr. Uh, Chris Schneider, uh, who uh, is uh, with the, um, he's the Director of Communications for the Alzheimer's Foundation of America, which is, uh, ed- which is uh, currently uh, ex- having an education, uh, Educating America National Tour, uh, which features uh, free concepts and care uh, and educational conference, free memory screenings, and much more. Uh, the uh, the Alzheimer's Foundation of America will be doing this event specifically uh, on uh, in Baton Rouge uh, on April sixteenth. Uh, Again, it's a free educational program designed to reach out to Baton Rouge metro uh, resident areas to talk about Alzheimer's disease from A to Z. Chris, do we have you on air? Yes, thank you very much for having me on, Dr. Aha. Sorry. All right, Chris, I think we've got you. Do we have you on air now? Chris, can you hear me? Yeah, you just broke up a little bit. Can you say that again? Yeah, do you uh, – hang on. We are – I'm still having some technical – okay, there we go. All right, Chris, we got you on air now, right? Yes, I'm here. All right, <laughs> yay. All right, Chris, so talk to us a bit about what the Alzheimer's Foundation of America is, and then I know that you guys have an exciting event coming up in uh, Baton Rouge. Yes, so the Alzheimer's Foundation of America, we're a national nonprofit organization 
Our mission is to provide support, services, and education to individuals, families, and caregivers affected by Alzheimer's nationwide, as well as to fund research for better treatment and a cure. So just briefly about how we were founded, we were actually founded by a former family caregiver. Uh, his mother lived with Alzheimer's disease in the 1980s and the early 1990s. And at that time, he really felt like there was no place to turn beyond talking to his mother's doctor, but no place to go for education, for support, for therapeutic programs, things like that. And he wanted to make sure that no other family had to go through this terrible disease alone. And that's why we were found, we were founded to be that, that place where families could go uh, during their time of need. So the conference we're having on April 16th is part of our Alzheimer's disease from A to Z lecture series. And it's really designed to just give people an overview of, of what Alzheimer's disease is, what the signs and symptoms are. If you see somebody who is a loved one or a friend who is exhibiting uh, behaviors that concern you in terms of their memory, how you can talk to them about that, and also to plan and prepare a roadmap for care as we age, um, and just a way to sort of get things in order and things to, to plan ahead. And we're also going to have, as you mentioned, free confidential memory screenings, which are a great way to be proactive about brain health. So we encourage everybody, whether you're in Baton Rouge, whether you're in New Orleans, wherever you are, you're more than welcome to come. It's free and open to the public, and you can register by visiting our website, www.alzfdn.org, or calling our national toll-free helpline at 866-232-8484, and we hope everybody's able to make it. Chris, can you uh, tell us a little bit about where we are? Maybe just uh, uh, a lot of our audience that listens in, this is the Health is a Human Rights Show, so the, there's a folks that are uh, know a little bit about healthcare, a little bit more sophisticated about healthcare than your, your typical regular uh, listeners. And so if you could just maybe give us a quick little update as to where we are in terms of either diagnosis or treatments, any updates in the last year or two years uh, with, with uh, uh, advances in Alzheimer's? So unfortunately right now there is no cure for Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is the sixth leading cause of death in America. It is the only one in the top 10 that does not have a cure or disease-modifying treatment. And equally as unfortunate is the number of people affected by Alzheimer's is growing. Right now there's about 5 million people living with Alzheimer's disease, about 87,000 in Louisiana. The CDC projects that if there is no cure found by 2060, the number could as much as triple. Um, the good news is, is that you asked about research, federal research investment has increased substantially over the last five years. It's gone from a little under $500 million about five years ago to $2.34 billion in the last fiscal year. And that's critically important because when the National Plan to Address Alzheimer's Disease was released in 2012, leading scientists said that $2 billion a year was the minimum amount needed to achieve a cure or disease-modifying treatment by 2025. This last fiscal year is the first time we hit that threshold, which is a tremendous benchmark, but we still have to play catch-up. So we're hoping that as Congress is negotiating the next budget, that they increase research funding even more. We've asked for another $350 million in, in research funding on top of the two point three, four billion from last year, because it's critically important that we find a cure. And it's critically important that we work as hard as possible and never give 
of the fight until that cure is found. And right now what we do in terms of, of treatments is we try to do, and a majority of treatments, and again, I'm, a, I'm an infectious diseases doctor, I'm not a neurologist, but my understanding essentially is that we try to slow the progression of the disease. We don't have a cure. Finding a cure obviously is, is, is number one, and take it, take it from somebody who is looking for, you know, part of the community that's looking for a cure for HIV. I, I can understand how elusive uh, that is. But the um, not unlike HIV uh, with Alzheimer's disease, the uh, a great reason to want to go and get diagnosed is that uh, we can do a lot in terms of being able to slow the progression of of the of the disease. You're right. There's there are medications on the market right now that can help slow the progression of the disease. But like you mentioned, early detection of any medical condition, whether it's Alzheimer's disease or anything else, is very very important especially with memory issues, because there's a common misconception I think that people have that, well, well, I'm getting old and I'm forgetful. It must be Alzheimer's. It's not. There's a difference between normal age-related memory loss and Alzheimer's disease. And the other thing to keep in mind is that if you are having memory problems, it may not be Alzheimer's at all. It may be something as simple as a vitamin deficiency or thyroid condition or depression. Any of those things can cause memory loss symptoms, but are all easily treatable, if not curable. So regardless of, you know, so often you'll hear people say, well, it's Alzheimer's, I don't want to know. There's a benefit to knowing. And and like you mentioned before, even if it is Alzheimer's disease, there are medications that can help slow the progression of the disease, but it's important to get on those as early as possible. And then aside from medications, there are therapeutic interventions of things that you can do, whether it's music therapy, art therapy, dance therapy, reminiscence therapy, all sorts of types of things that can improve quality of life and slow the progression of the disease. So we encourage everybody to get memory screenings, and if you have concerns, go see your doctor right away. Again, if you're, if you're looking for a memory screening and you're going to be in the Baton Rouge area on April 16th, we're going to be having them at our Alzheimer's disease from A to Z lecture series. You can register by going to www.alzfdn.org. Or if you can't make it, if you have immediate questions about Alzheimer's disease, memory screenings, brain health and wellness, you can call our helpline 866-232-8484. That's open seven days a week, 8 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Central Time during the weekdays and 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. on the weekends. And also you can find memory screening sites you know, throughout Louisiana and throughout the country, on our website, we have a memory screening page. Just visit alzfdn.org. Chris Schneider, who is the Director of Communications with the Alzheimer's Foundation of America. They are having a uh, an A to Z, uh, Alzheimer's Foundation of America screening, uh, as well as lecture series on April 16th in Baton Rouge. Uh, please uh, visit their uh, their website for more information. Chris, what was that website one more time? Sure, it's www.alzfdn.org, and our phone number, again, is 866-232-8484. Thank you so much, Chris. Uh, We certainly uh, enjoy having, uh, I've had uh, you on, and certainly we've had uh, Mr. Charles uh, Fuschello, who's the CEO, and I love hearing uh, updates uh, from from the work that you guys are doing. I think the work that you guys are doing is very important, and and, uh, I appreciate you guys sharing it with our our audience, our listening audience. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, and we appreciate you helping to spread the word about the services that are available. Thanks so much. Thanks, Kylie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
All right. This is 102.3 WHIV, and it's a pleasure uh, to uh, kind of shift our attention right now uh, to somebody for whom I uh, recently uh, have met uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, this uh, conversation uh, with. And I'm talking about uh, Jonah. Is it Jonah Tobias? Uh, yeah, that's correct. Tobias. All right. <laughs> Jonah Tobias. I, I am sure uh, anybody who's listening who lives in New Orleans has seen Jonah uh, playing a... a um, I just I just faced yeah, on so it. It's, it's called a Cora. A Cora, yes. I, I don't I, know how I just I am so sorry. No, sure. I Trust plan- me, the, the question of what this <laughs> instrument is is my normal day to day conversation. I'm certain. On- I, I it's it, it uh, Jonah reached out to me uh, a few mo- a few weeks ago, about six right. weeks ago or so, and uh and, and has a book. Uh he's uh, his band is playing at the French Quarter Fest, uh and uh and as I kind of started looking through some of his materials, I realized that this was somebody that a 10-minute conversation was not going to suffice. And so I was able to find some time on the schedule and bring him on for the hour as uh, we are going to talk about his music uh, and uh, uh, as well as his book, which is really a book of a, of a, a new philosophy. Which right, is it's it sounds kind of it it sounds odd saying it coming out of my mouth. So sure, I'm super sure, interested. Sure. I'm in, getting used to it myself. Uh, I'm certain, and it's the the sure. philosophy. That I, I think the name of it is also somewhat, but it's the philosophy of animalism. Animalism, and, that's correct. And as I read through it, I I was like a new philosophy called animalism. Right. And as I kind of started digging into it, I was like, all right, this is definitely something that I need to have somebody on and have a a hour long conversation. So. We have uh, Jonah on for the next 45 minutes. So if you're tuned in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV. This is Nola Matters and Health is a Human Right. I'm your host, Mark Allendary. And again with me is uh, Jonah Tobias. And Jonah is an amazingly fascinating person as I've been reading about him and, and, uh, and learning about him. So first, I guess let's talk about the music and let's talk about the core. You guys have all seen Cora, uh, seen uh, Jonah in the French Quarter because he plays an instrument that um, looks, I, I, I'm not going to even, sure. go ahead. Sure. Yeah, well, I'm, it's I'm very gonna, visible. It's very large. It's very large. For one. For one. It's hard right. to miss. It's hard to miss. Right. Um, and uh, it is a stringed instrument uh, mm-hmm. that is, I've never seen anything like it, of course, because I just recently learned that uh, that Joan actually made it, yes. which is incredible. So, so, yes. so yeah, so, so I'm going to let you tell the story. So first, before we even do that, Joan, tell us quickly about yourself uh, and how you ended up in New Orleans. Okay. Uh, right. So, you know, before New Orleans, uh, I was in Northern California. Oh, that's right. You had that bus. In, where were you in Northern California? Yes. I was just so, so curious. So, you know, because I'm from my, California. My life is a bit of some chapters. So okay. I pick All right. Which chapter? All so, right, right. so this chapter, I was in uh, the Bay Area. Super. Okay. San Francisco, Berkeley, Oakland, but I was also up in Grass Valley. Okay. All right. I I, I could see that that would be a place. Again, I was born and raised in California. Went right. to college at UC Santa Cruz, and then lived up in San Francisco and Berkeley as well. Of course, that was a whole different chapter in my life. It's so way before I went to medical school, and uh, and judging by what I read in your book and some of your readings and and some of your writings, I could see that Northern California would be a place that uh, would be would be like-minded people i mean really i guess uh you know an easy way to kind of tell my story is that i went to college and i was in university of florida and i felt like i had lived very conventional uh life by most right you know i was surprised to see now i I, this is not a i'm not 
being demeaning with this, but I was surprised sure. to see that you weren't a frat. I, I, right. Yeah, because yeah, you put that in your story. Yes. So I figured that's yes. okay for me to ask about it. And, and so, again, I don't mean to be demeaning about that. I just wouldn't, right. given just kind of your life trajectory, folks that are in frats don't usually have a life trajectory like that. And that's probably my closed-minded look at what I think frats are. Right, and yeah, I'm, not, I, I'm not going to speak too much okay. on, on okay. the nature or worth okay. of uh, All right. I got you. I got you. Sort of I got you. But no, it is an important part of my story. Okay, yeah, it was in the book. So. Where right, and the the place that this philosophy really comes out of is a lot of these life experiences sure. of being on the different ends of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, not yeah. seeing things from one perspective, and really, this whole book in this current political climate all of this polarization right everyone's in their social media bubbles yeah, yeah. everyone's canceling people they don't like uh it comes from my experience of saying oh i know exactly what the world is right and then i jump over to a whole nother life and i i see all the things that i had rejected and i see the values in all of those huh. Huh. so when you ask about sort of like where i'm coming from there's there's different chapters and you know, a big one is, yes, I was in this uh, fraternity. I was right. just trying to, you know, get a good job. I was trying sure. to... Sure. No, no, no. It's a very fair, it's a very fair uh, you know, comment that you're making because you're right. M- m- you know, I went to a college that had no frats, but I chose mm-hmm. that purposely. You see Santa right. Cruz is very proud to not have frats, and that was something that just I identified slugs. with. Well, I was there before banana slugs, but it became <laughs> okay. the banana slugs while it's I was there. Time. Yeah, it was, it was the California sea lions, and my wife hates it every time I say that because she's like, you know, you're telling people how how old you are and i'm like all right that's fine i went to college a long time ago okay yes, that's almost, wisdom right almost there. 30 years that's wisdom only. more than 30 years ago anyway um so uh uh anyway so yeah so you were so and that's a good point is that because i could never do that i can't you know people say well you should have somebody you know have another point of view and i'm like yeah i'm pretty uh-huh. comfortable with my point of view sure, sure. you know and 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 so i admire that you can say well i jumped over to that just to see what that was and like I, and that's and think, that's so cool yeah i think that's probably what this discussion is going to go about sure is is how much do do all these point of views come from a place of truth yeah that's and that's a great point and and yes and, and <laughs> you and i could probably have a conversation that will last many many hours sure. and, so I, and i and i and i hope one. right so okay so let's start the point of the conversation for music Okay. Okay. Because we uh, just for time's sake, and then you know, okay. I would love to carry the conversation. Well, off. let me let me jump just one second before that, just because it puts it in perspective. So, uh, you know, I was in college and I got into philosophy, but when I got into philosophy, for me, it was very sincere. It was not about getting grades at this point. It wasn't even about a career. It was I saw in philosophy a way to kind of live and create my life for myself. And I think this is something that that we both identify with as sort of artists in reality here, this radio station that you've created. So let me ask you this. So this brings up a very good point. I don't want to get too meta on on, on the conversation, but I hear what you say that you got into philosophy and you really jumped into philosophy. And, you know, for a minute, I was almost there too when I was in college, you know, but it was, I, I knew what I, I knew biology was where I needed to go. Medicine was where I was headed. But the thing that stopped me from philosophy was this, was that it philosophy to me was a, was a framework of kind of guidelines, rules, considerations, thoughts about how to live a life, a good life, a productive life, efficient life, a life that was consistent, that was not, um, uh, hypocritical, uh, I, that's kind of what, and, and I recognize that life wasn't 
like that and that that uh-huh. there are a lot of people that are comfortable with living hypocritical lives uh-huh. or that are that are comfortable living a life that doesn't that's not consistent or that kind of weaves in and out and that's their life's philosophy does that make sense and so for a second i you know i i i so i i relate with what you're saying you right. know and how for you you just kind of dove into it which this book is ultimately a culmination of what we're going to talk about in just a minute right uh so i'll just say a point on that because i do want to kind of explain that of music, course but what you're just saying right there i think is something that's very symptomatic of philosophy in our society right now, which is what you're saying is that you can read the, the different philosophies right. and they don't seem that ex, uh, they don't seem to explain very well what's going on today. No, yeah. They don't well, seem to apply. That's for sure. Right? <laughs> yes. The philosophies were philosophies that were explaining life a thousand years ago, 500 years ago. I, I you know, the a hundred years ago, but there is no contemporary. I mean, for me, I, the philosophy that I like to read are, I like reading the evolutionary biologist and, and I used to love Stephen Jay Gould until he died. And then, uh, um, and, is this, yeah, Stephen Jay Gould died. And then who's the Richard Dawkins? I love until he went off the deep end and became like an Islamophobe. And then I just stopped reading him. In fact, I canceled right, sure. <laughs> Stephen Dawkins sure. because cause exactly what you said. I canceled him out of my life when he started talking all sorts of crazy Islamophobic stuff. But his philosophy, like the selfish gene, is a brilliant kind of meta, like a what happens on a genetic level it was really fascinating to read about it, how it reads on a human level. And so for me, what I like to read about is evolutionary biologists kind of hypothesizing or theorizing or philosophizing, but from a genetics or evolution perspective. And and the good book of this book, I mean, a good part of this book being animalism does bring some of these points from science and what it means to be cool. an animal to do this sort I of thing. Can't, okay, well, let's get into yeah, it. So, right, I, let's talk think, about me. But I think one of the main kind okay. of points here is that the diversity that we experience in our lives today don't seem to fit these philosophies that look for the truth, the consistency, the explanation. And so we turn away from these kind of meta world views. This is what it is. Right. Because we see everywhere we look around us, it seems it's another perspective and all of this. Right. And, it, and so you bring up a point that I think a lot about, which is what is truth? Right. And I that mean, is what this, yes. right. So yes. to me, and, and this is a device, this is what makes our, our culture so divisive is that we can't even, you know, again, and I find myself talking about this a lot. I'm an atheist. I am. You know, I grew up in this very, very religious Jewish family, and I just, I completely walked away from it when I was 13 or 14 years old because it was so cumbersome, and and I started my path toward atheism with my first evolution class, right? Right. So we uh, share some in common there. Yeah. Okay. I recently did an Ancestry.com uh, result. And what did it you said find out? 96 percent Ashkenazi Ash- Jewish. It's 100 percent Sephardic from. Yeah, and I, from, I told from Spain. my friend this, and she said, "Well, you're racially pure, but genetically weak." <laughs> But also, uh, I did. I, I, I wouldn't t- identify as an atheist, but it's the same history. Uh-huh. That certainly, I did begin as an atheist as well. Um, you're say that again. I'm sorry. Say it again. I also began as an yeah, atheist. yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you still an atheist? I no. Okay. No. Got it. All right. Cool. Um, so 
<laughs> God, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. I've, no, no, no. It's cool. So I, I guess what I was saying, uh, I, that's all right. Let's talk about music. All right. Yes. Hang on. Before we do, if you're tuning in, you're listening to 102.3 WHIV. This is uh, Noel Matters. Uh, Health is a human right. My name is Mark Allendary, and it's really a pleasure to talk uh, to Jonah Tobias, who uh, is uh, a, a, an amazing musician. He created his own instrument. I'm sure you guys have all seen it. It's called a Kona. Cora, Cora, Cora. I don't. I swear to God, I kept saying I ain't gonna know how. You to gotta have some cojones to go out into Jackson Square and play the Cora, but uh, right, you do need to have some cojones to go to Jackson Square to play. Yes. God, the the comments. All right, we'll talk about that in a second. All right, but then also the author of this uh, brand new book, which we're gonna talk about in a second. But okay, so quickly, I know you went to Africa. Yeah, you had a journey there, and then I think that started you on your musical journey. Did you know so mean- it happened before? Okay. Uh, so basically what philosophy did is it set me off of this kind of conventional path. Right. I went off to California, I became a searcher. Okay. And philosophy got me there. Once you're a searcher, you don't know what's going to come into your life. Sure. I was at a music festival. I had this feeling for some reason I'm not inspired. I don't know what it is. I went into a luthier's tent. And I was tooling around on a guitar. Luthier's Luthier, 10 are folks instrument that are, builder. They, right, okay. And I was tooling around what, the what, guitar. What festival were you at? I'm just so, uh, That had a Luthier's 10. Right? Well, come <laughs> on now. A lot of music festivals sell instruments. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, all right. All. Uh, uh, I got it. Got it. Got it. I got it. Okay. Yeah. I but thought this, it was somebody that was literally there for the festival. That way, I got it. I'm like totally with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, was, they were selling instruments. Got it. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, yeah. so this was in Southern Oregon. Got it. Okay. Um. And so, and I was tooling around on this guitar that he had built and he said, are you a guitarist? I said, well, I'm learning it, but it doesn't feel right. I feel like I'm still kind of searching for my instrument. And he said, go listen to the musician up on stage. Okay. So I went to the stage and it's a a chorus player from Senegal, a Sufi named uh, Yusufa Sidibe. Okay. And it's just like, I use the word eviscerated. It was uh, an experience emotionally, my heart, my soul, everything. I didn't know what I was listening to. I had no... Can you explain what he was playing? Was yes. it he or she? So so he, he so he. Yusufa Sidibe, and he's a chora player. Okay, so uh, the chora you play is different from, I would imagine, the chora that that this, this person from Senegal, Sufi, was playing. Yeah, so I built my own version of it. Okay. Um, it's the same instrument. But my own version. Yours it's got is like, 27 strings instead of 21. I changed the tone of it so it works better with effect pedals. Okay, I got it. So, But is it still long? Oh, yes. So do you want to explain what a chorus yeah, so, is then? So that's right. This okay. is radio. Okay. Uh, let me, so let me try to paint the picture right. through, through radio. It's, it's a giant uh, calabash on the bottom. So a giant gourd cut in half with cow skin stretched across it. Uh, from there, there's a long wooden pole that is attached on mine. It's 27 harp strings. Um, and these get stretched across like a harp would. And then each of these strings as a harp is, is one note. So that's why you need so many. And you. Oh, so you don't. Oh, okay. So not like a bass or a guitar where you press on the string to create a new note. Each note is strung up individually. Right. No fretting. No fretting, of course. Yeah. So, no so you fretting. go from so is it like it goes from A to uh, F with all the sharps and flats? Or? So it's a it's a diachronic. It's in the A major scale. So it's in the A major scale, right. okay. And then 
why I guess help me so my music theory isn't that good. So why sure. so why so many notes? I mean, so Love, uh, range three and a half octaves. There we go. Okay, so, so then I've that takes you bass notes, much like a piano plays there the bass on their got left it, hand. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. At the there same we, time. There we go. Okay. Now I understand. So so there's no black keys then, except there's, on well, just <laughs> so help you know, me. There's so, the C sharp. There's right. The of sharp, course. Of G course. Sharp. Of course. So help me. So so now why did you? So you went. Okay. So you. At this festival, you get inspired. You get eviscerated. I get eviscerated, uh, which is way better than being inspired. <laughs> As it turns like, out, it's way better. So, what do you do? Do you go and buy a Cora right there on the spot, or From the luthier? Oh, I went back you? to the tent. <laughs> it's the only time I've ever seen a Cora for sale outside of West Africa. No kidding. That was, and so, I've seen him. I've seen Yusufa several times. I was, I was chasing him around. You know, he's so saying, you bought one on the spot. Yes. So and did you yes. learn it? And then how did then you just I have to give a shout out to uh, Dale from California because he lent me the money. Got it. And it's because of him. We all need some help from our friends. Of so. course. Of course. Yeah. So you so you buy it and then yes. you start. I mean, like these things are quite like, I mean, do you need like a like a like you need like almost like an 18 wheeler to transport one of these things. I mean, can you dismantle it's, it or no? Well, you could, but it's going to take you a while. To so what kind of together. case do you put? Like, so I, it's like a, how, how big case. is it? To me, it looks, it to me, in my it's about head, four foot. It's four foot. Okay. Cause yeah. to me, it just like, every time I see you playing, right. it's just obviously it, I mean, let's just, it's obviously very phallic looking and, and all that stuff. So, but you were able to keep it in a case. That's a, a cello case, yeah, a cello case. You know, it's a you know cello or a small upright bass case. Okay, got so it. So it's big, but it's not the but, you know. I go on the airplane; it has its own seat. Oh, you. But have I'm not the only person it. traveling with an instrument this size. We make do. Got it. You okay, know. okay. So you able to you're able to get it home, and right. then do you you just dive into it right away? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I dove into it. You know, during this time, I was very. I had a bus. This was like old school right, right. You kind had of a bus. hippie okay. lifestyle. Right, right. Okay. Sure. Well, I was going to make the joke about a bus, but I forgot you did have a bus. I, this is I was going to say, did real... you just throw it on a bus? It was, but I didn't want to make. It was my bus, though. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I got uh, you. All right. But also, you had an old school bus. But also, you, you know, at times I'd be hitchhiking with this, and I'd be up on Mount Shasta. So you might. You, you took know, it up to Mount Shasta. So hiking up, you might you, climb up. You see me in the tent there. You and know, you've got the thing out in your... So how did you start playing 21 notes, soon to be expanded to 27? How did you learn how to create a melody? I mean... Right. I'll tell you, even I, I came to New Orleans seven years ago. Okay. And when I came here seven years ago, I hardly knew a song. I was, I was just improvising. I was just listening to rhythms and patterns and what... A lot of it just going through feeling. Uh-huh. And then that was... And, and then, then that, from and that, there, that we, brought us we to right. That brought us to uh, a Buku Buku Brew, Buku Brew, right? Which is the band that is going to be playing French Quarter Fest on what day is yeah. it going to be so playing? That's on uh, April twelfth at the. Uh, that's Friday. Yeah, Friday, April twelfth, from one thirty to two thirty at the House of uh, Blues stage. Got it. Okay. And then, so how did you? So you then got here seven years ago with this right. enormous instrument right. that nobody's seen that you built. Right. An RV this time, not a bus. <laughs> okay, in an RV. You know? Yeah. Ma- uh, maturity goes in it. small, okay. small steps. And you, the laughing is obviously like appreciating the story. I just oh, absolutely. Okay, you, you recognize that, I'm right? Laughing I'm, too. Okay, because yes. it's such a beautiful story, and it's right. uh, before we started, as I told you, I. I relate with your story. I've taken a similar path, but it was in medicine and, and lots of different, if, if the roles were reversed, if I was sitting on the other side of the microphone, mm-hmm. my story would not, would sound not unlike yours. Right. Okay. I feel that. okay so, 
you get here seven years ago, and, and I could have been a doctor. You could have been a doctor. <laughs> That's exactly right. Mine, my though, Jewish I, family. I was going to so say my, my Jewish family was. They were the first. My my mother, the first Jewish mother in the history of Jewish mothers that did not want her son to be a doctor. Isn't wanted me to be a lawyer. Right? Isn't she was like, works. "Really? You're going to medical school? Right. She'd be like, You're still a doctor? You're not a lawyer yet?" I'm like, "What's wrong with you, mother? Right. <laughs> like, real, real James Dean." <laughs> yeah. like, what's wrong? Anyway, so so you get here seven years ago, and because I remember you were playing, like I see you in a band now, but there I used to see you by yourself, mm-hmm. and you were playing. I think I've seen you like in front of the courthouse or kind of on Royal Street. I've seen you right. play on the corner before. I've seen you kind of like now placed kind of right in front of Jackson Square on Decatur, right. and I've seen you play with other people now. So I think in the back of my head, I was like, all right, the dude. Like picked up a band, and so and that was so. Had so what happened? So you started playing Jackson Square. So you yeah. came to New Orleans. You discovered New Orleans. You realized New Orleans is full of a bunch of Boy, interesting. It just, pulls you, in. <laughs> yes, it it just pulls you in before you even know it. Right, right. And then one right. day you look around and you say, "Well, I guess this is it." Mm-hmm. So now you've got. Um, so now you've got this instrument that nobody's ever seen. Uh-huh. And you're going to go to Jackson Square, like you said. It takes cojones to play a chorus in Jackson Square. So tell me about that. Well, I'll say, you know, New Orleans, I think it's part of this is that it makes possible. I say that uh, a lot of my f- music and uh, artist friends come to New Orleans to quit their day jobs. Right. That New Orleans makes all of this possible. It's really nurturing for us. And and so this is this was my experience here. You know, I came with just this instrument. I've really learned by playing here. So then you just start playing for hours at a time on the French court in the French quarter. Yeah. And then, it's a lot of practice and, and y'all been paying me for it. And it's gotten to a place now where we've played some festivals. Uh, you know, we've, we've played gigs on Frenchman street and been in, gotten some good opportunities to be in some movies and shows and things. And right. It all came out of me driving down in an RV and pulling my, uh, core to the side of the street. And then you With would, uh, right. Yeah. And then that, and that sustained you just, just, just playing the Cora practicing on the streets and i mean i i i you know at another time i would love to hear even off air if anything but just some of the comments that you probably hear and some of the verbal abuse i mean some of the rude i would imagine some of it is just pretty you know like because it's it's such an imposing instrument because it looks phallic it looks very phallic and also you look very ecstatic playing it like i've Mm -hmm. seen you play and i've just seen kind of Mm -hmm. again i've seen you kind of lost you know and as a musician i i know the look i recognize it uh and then i just go oh my god this guy probably gets a lot of you know i feel bad for the rudeness and humanity to probably the comments that you hear. So I guess I'm sorry for all my stupid brothers and sisters out there that say really dumb things. Y'all have clothed me, fed me. I'm not even going to tell you about the, I got a, I got a car right now that looks like a bird. Y'all, I got, I got so much gratitude. So how did you, how did you get to Buku Brew? Your band. Right, so Buku Brew just sort of came together by me playing out there. So what just happened? So somebody, somebody this just is came. This a story out. of the Cora and a story of Cojones. Okay, you know, I, I, I sort of just set out there. I stuck, stuck my neck out. Okay, so how did you find the guys? They found you, obviously. They found me. So what happened? Some, somebody so came up and said, the first, hey. one of the first nights I was there, and I was playing, and a, uh, a, a shorter Brazilian guy who didn't speak too much English came up and. He said, uh, well, I have this kind of tambourine called a pandetta. Right. Yeah, of and, course. Uh, it's a Brazilian instrument. I play with you. Right. And I said, you know, sure. 
right? I've, I'm just standing here, please. Uh, yeah. And he played and it sounded good. I said, well, that sounds good, but do you have a drum set you can bring out? Uh-huh. And he said, sure. And that was sort of it. And I took his contact information. And then, uh, because I had driven in an RV, I went to look at a, at a house. And as I show up to look at a room in a house, it's like a musician's house, he shows up at the same time. Looking so, for a place to live. So he, you guys were both looking for the same room? So we became roommates. Oh, cool. Yeah, there were two rooms. Got it. We oh, beca- how we cool is that? Roommates. That was the same day? It's, it's serendipity. Well, wow. we showed up at the same time, but it was maybe a couple days later. It was a couple days later. Right, right, right. It was after you guys met on the street, right. and then you guys met a couple days later. And then, obviously, rehearsals became very... Uh, you, don't, you don't have to be religious to believe in magic. Yeah. You know, New Orleans is just... So then the, but there's more than I've heard other instruments. I think I've, I've right. heard a guitar. I w- heard a guitar player. So or? I've also been something of a, uh, a gateway musician for others into this lifestyle. Um, our saxophonist, Philip Silv, born and raised here in New Orleans. Uh, he's part of so many projects. Uh, he's part of Cool Nasty. They right. started the Wednesday nights at the Jazz Market. Right, right, right. Amazing jam. If y'all haven't been there, right. it's one of the best scenes going on. Sure. Just a little shout out. That's where I am often on Wednesdays. Um, so, so certainly I wasn't so much of a gateway for him, but I think he just kind of understood where I was coming from and he joined. Uh, the one I'm thinking of in particular is Adrian Justanis, the violinist who also... Maybe that's probably what I was listening. Okay. Right, and he plays it, but a lot of people think more like an electric guitar. Right, sound. right, right, right. But he was on spring break. College oh, really? student on spring break. He saw the three of us playing. He sat in with violin. And, and then he moved to New Orleans? You know, bit by bit, here he is. Wow. Right. And now uh and now you guys are are a uh have a CD out called uh The Storyteller, uh Cora and Drums. Yeah, and so that's more the uh the Cora featured C D. But if you go it. to bukubrew.com. dot com And let me just say Buku is spelled B U K U and then Brew is B R O U X dot com. So Bukubrew dot com. So, yeah, so, I mean, I think we've released something like seven CDs since we've been here. No kids. Uh, but I believe, I believe there's five of them available on the uh, website. So, that, so this blows me away now. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about the book. I'm going to probably definitely have you come back on my life. Air. So, if you're going to ask me to explain it, <laughs> no, no, it's no, going no, no. to be... So, this is an instrument. I'm just blown away. I'm so impressed. Um, so, and it makes me very happy, right? Thank so, you. this is an instrument that you basically... you. I don't want to say improved upon. You just kind of you made it so that you could do more things with it. But it was a traditional instrument, West African instrument. Absolutely, Koro is a traditional West African instrument. You added a few more strings and made it so that you can create some more effects with the pedal. And I'm going to ask you kind of the theory on behind the actual the music behind it okay, in a quick sure. second. Sure. But an instrument that probably no one else has really seen before. And so the drummer, a saxophone player, and a fiddle, how did you guys go to create music that's never really been... I mean, this is not... You're not playing Senegalese music, right? I mean, this is not music that's being done in Senegal, is it? It's So some of the music uh, I'm heavily borrowing okay. from some things that I've learned and studied right. in West Africa. But they, they're not, there's not a sax player in... That's, well, some of them, surely. Okay, all right. Or, yeah. uh, or, or a fiddle player? Yeah, some okay. of them as right. well. Okay, sure. okay. Uh, but the main thing is with all the effects that I use, even though there are West African musicians using effects, I've kind of made my own sound. And uh, and this relates to my philosophy as well. But this sort of came down to I went to West Africa. I studied. I loved what I heard. 
and I knew I would always be a second-rate West African core player. Right. So you had an to imitator. Do, you had to do it something yourself. I found the fusion. Right. That I could speak truthfully. The I, you know when I when I saw this first core player Yusufa Sidibe, I came to him like Karate Kid to master. Miyagi right and I said you know please like I've I've just never it's the wisest thing it's the best thing I've heard uh, teach me and he said he doesn't teach the one thing he told me is he said I mean every note and that's and that was charted my course huh so when you've gone to West Africa in your did you still consider yourself a second-rate core player oh no 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 I would be a second-rate West West African core, core player. player. Got it. Okay, uh, fair enough, fair third enough. Third rate, fourth rate. I'm not, sure, sure. I'm not that. Sure, because now you've created your own sound, right? And you've created your own space. Yeah. Do you guys just usually just kind of jam until something comes together and then you do you record what you guys play and jam and then and then go back and listen and then try to expand on sections of a jam that sounded good and then you pull that out and create a song is, I guess. So we've gone through pro- different methods of how okay. we create songs. Uh, you know, when we play with Adrian Justanis on violin, he's leading half of it. Okay. So he'll start it off. Okay. And he'll put these rhythms and these loops together and then we'll jam off of that. Okay. With my songs, they're more compositions. Okay. I'll come with something. Normally okay. I've been listening to some other style. Uh, you know, like they say, the the Beatles with the White Album, they took a different style for each song. Right. That's kind of my process. I try to think, what genre have I not listened to or not tried to really create a core music from? So you will create core music from jazz, classical, right? punk rock? Yes. All right. Yes. <laughs> okay, so you... None of those songs cu- lasted, country? but we had some. <laughs> Rockabilly? <laughs> Rockabilly... Classic rock, you know, something. Got it. In there. All right, got blues, I, I blues bass. From. Blues yeah. bass. Yeah. How does the instrument work? I mean, so you have 27 strings. Right. So, so you have some bass. So you have some, you, is your left hand doing bass? Your stuff? thumbs pluck out a bass line. Okay. And then your four fingers, so it's two fingers on each hand. Okay. Your four fingers will play the rhythm and the melody. And with the musicians that I play with, they have those musical chops where they can play with anybody. Okay. And to play with me you would need to because it's not going to be something you've heard before. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm that's why I'm so like right. blown away by this, right? I mean, cuz it's it is like something you've never heard before. Right? And I think that's a real testament to their level of yes. musicianship, Agreed. their open mind and all Agreed. this. Agreed. Agreed. I could not play the same role for them. Yeah, okay, I got you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm Especially with you on not that. with the core. It's in one key. Right, it's in one key. So yeah. everything is always in A? A major or different modalities of it, so a lot of F sharp minor and Got it. And are you yeah. constantly like? In, is that one of the things that you're doing with the effects? Are you off, oftentimes trying to? So I'll change the key when I play with uh, Adrian with the violin. So okay. I'll, sh- I'll just do a straight uh, key shift. Got it. Do a pedal. Do a pedal. But no, a lot of times with with these effects, uh, you know, I use a lot of reverb, uh-huh. and it's a lot of these echoing reverbs. That reverb kind with of... a chorus. That is, dude. Um... It's crazy, man. It's so cool. It's so cool. You know how music is. Music leads you. You might have an idea, right. but it's whatever you discover that works, it carries you further. So 27 strings. So no, and then they're all tuned. I mean, do you, I mean, is there, I mean, obviously you have a tuner. Are, are you tuning by ear or do you have a tuner that you're constantly? Not cheap. Okay. That's much um, quicker. All right. So then you pluck with your, you pluck with your thumbs. 
Right. And then you strum with, or you're yeah, also plucking strum, with the I four pluck. fingers, or you know, I, I take a very approach to it. Of and, and then and it, some core players, you know, they'll knock on the wood. Right. They'll put percussive. Like so I've seen, like I've seen these old ancient instruments where they would also like put these bows, these sticks with bows on their fingers, and I mean, I've not seen some them. of these things. Okay, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I've, I've built other instruments that didn't work out quite as well. I'm an experimenter. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, um, we have uh, we have about seven minutes, and uh, I'm going to definitely have you back if you're okay with that. Okay, yeah, because I definitely want to have you. But can we talk about uh, the last couple minutes to spend some time talking about your book? Because sure. I think it's so fascinating. Because sure. beyond all of this, everybody, uh, uh, Jonah has also actually written uh, a book, which is a an amazing philosophy that I really want to dig into. So if you're tuned in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV. This is Nola Matters, Health as a Human Right. My name is Mark Allendary, and I am talking to uh, Jonah Tobias, uh, who is, is an amazing musician and, and a fellow journey uh, journeyman uh, in life, a life uh, adventurer. Um, and uh, Jonah wrote a book uh, on a concept of four principles of a philosophy that he refers to as animalism. And I am going to step away from the mic and I'm going to let you kind of take the lead now. Okay. Okay. And thank you for this opportunity because, you know, there was a moment when I was in college when I remember I have these philosophical thoughts. Oh, all these revelations. And okay, what now? The world's still the same outside. Yeah. So. You know, with these thoughts come this desire to see them grow, see them spread, see people take them and put their own spins on them. Uh, so one thing about philosophy is I think a lot of times we were in this paradigm of truth where people look for control. They look for sort of to define what things are. They think that philosophy is something that's going to answer our questions. That's the most kind of natural instinct. It'll answer our questions. I want to keep thinking. It'll give me some peace in that respect. Um, but we're looking at our world around us and this whole desire to have to be right, this need to know our truth and our answers and all of this, it has not created a very harmonious world. You can say that answer to what's the one truth is also that it, it, it coincides with this rise of colonialism of these empires of one God and it's not yours. So what animalism essentially does is it tries to look at the fact that we're animals and, and what's the truth for animals to, to come to a concept of truth that's not about controlling, that's not about colonializing or, or colonizing, uh, that's more about finding our place. Right. It's either eat or be eaten, basically. Well, that's, that's one thing in, in, uh, in nature. Sure. There's so many things in nature. Uh, so f you know, section two, the kind of principle of this, so there's four sections, four principles, is right. just like animals in the forest, people and their beliefs all play different roles in the ecosystems of life. So one of the examples I used was eat or be eaten is the deer and the wolf. And so we've probably heard about this uh, over at Yosemite, where the wolves got hunted out of existence. And we think, oh, great, wolves, bad, they eat things. But then the deer overgrazed. So they re scientists reintroduced the wolf to Yosemite. And as they did, it flourished. And it's this Yosemite, the, the flora. The flora. The flora the, uh, flourished because the deer 
were kept in check through natural selection with the reintroduction of the wolves. Right, but so many more things from that, and I don't, you know, the full story of, okay, well, what that, what did that lead to? Right, right. It's, this, it's the idea of when it's in an ecosystem, we may not like mosquitoes. Oh, I use mosquitoes actually as an example <laughs> all the time when I talk about the same thing, yes. Right. Right, so I mean, one of the things that scares me is one of the, uh, and we'll definitely have you back, Jonah, I promise you, we'll have more sure. time to go over your book, I promise you. But one of the things that in in part of the control of malaria is that uh, there are scientists that are putting out into the uh, uh, into nature um, sterile mosquitoes. Right, I've heard about this. Which to me scares me. And, mm-hmm. and they were like, well, you know, these are sterile and they, you know, and, and I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. You can't F with nature like that. Like right. we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what's what's going to happen, you know. And and a great example of this is is something I lecture on in an infectious diseases lecture is ex- explaining what an infection is and and it, it's subtle and it's nuanced. But I'm not going to get into that. But I will say this: that the scientist uh, in Australia, who was a virologist, um, there was uh, the, Australia was being overrun by rabbits. Because somebody in the 1800s introduced rabbits as a food source, so they didn't have a natural predator, and rabbits, well, they're rabbits, and they did what rabbits do, right? And they had a huge population explosion, and he introduced a virus into the population to eradicate the the rabbits. It was government-sanctioned. I mean, it was all done appropriately. I mean, it wasn't like he was a rogue person. He was a government scientist, and they did this all in the up and up, and it didn't have any effect on humans. But the the repercussions of it were completely mind boggling, and that is the that's where the story starts. But I'm not going to get into that element of it, right? But, but that is but exactly that's how that the, point. Yes, that's that so point. So when we talk about nature, we talk about an ecosystem. We don't say the wolf's evil. We don't say the deer's good. Mm-hmm. We don't say mosquitoes 100% are evil. Correct. Yes, I agree hundred percent with you. Absolutely, it's all good. Viruses are good. Parasites are good, right? Fungi are good. Those are all the things that I deal with that people think that are bad. And I often say that a virus like HIV is a perfect machine from the virus's perspective. Sure. From our perspective, it's a bad sure. thing because it, it kills people. Sure. But from the virus's perspective, the way the virus is built and constructed, it does its job with amazing efficacy. Right. And, and what you just said, it's all good. Right. That is spirituality when we apply it to the (laughs) world. Okay. So a lot of what this animalism does is it says, you know, I don't need to convince anybody about gods and all of these things to get at this more spiritual mindset where we're more open to the world and diversity and difference is that just by looking at nature – we can see all of these same principles. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with and you. And the on challenging that. part is can we apply them to ourselves right. and each other? That is the challenging part. So, how did you break it down? Do the four principles and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. So, what are the four principles? Okay. Uh, so, the first principle um, is that. So these are these are Go ahead. Go not ahead. going worry. to be so explained. Okay. But Don't worry. Pretty, okay. Well, I mean, I'll let you right. explain them. I mean, we've got about three minutes, so. <laughs> I so know. They won't be I, explained. Dude, I but promise, this will. I promise you, I'll have you back yeah. on. I promise you. No, 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 so no, no, within like a month or two months, I'll sure, have you back on, sure. and we can spend more time talking about it. Uh, so the first principle is: we believe that we're thinking about the world around us, and we're experiencing the world around us. But really, everything that's our senses and our thoughts are more like the human animal code to the changes that we are. 
Okay, that's I. I hear you. You got it. I hear that one. <laughs> okay, no, no it. need to explain it. I got you on that one. I yes. I can't wait to hear the explanation. Yes. But I'm I'm with you on that. I agree okay. with you on that. Okay. Okay. Uh, the second one I had already mentioned. Say it again. Just like all the animals in the forest, humans and their different beliefs, even the opposing ones, all play their role in the biodiversity that is human society. Okay, I'm with you on that. That's one of the most challenging. That one's a little. Ones. That's a little. That's a little harder to swallow. But sure. I agree with you. And I, and especially in the political climate that we see today, I wonder how is it that we can, you know, build walls. You know, I, sometimes I fear that we're not necessarily building walls to keep people in or keep people out. Uh-huh. I'm afraid that they're trying to keep people in, but that's a different. Mm-hmm. Di- but the thing for me is, how can we not offer free healthcare to all people? Like, what kind of mind would want to not offer healthcare to their citizens? But the that mind is part of the human experience. Right. It's just unfair that they get to run things, but that mind is part of the human experience. And so I'm with you on that. It's a little bit more challenging. Yes. So I'm with you on and that, the, but the I hear you on that. Yes, there. yes, yes. Okay. Uh, so the third principle is that for a long time, philosophy was seen as this objective, neutral truth. You have to get away from your emotions in order to find objective reality. And that's how we started the conversation. So yes, I'm with you on that. But animalism says that it's the animal part of us that we're trying to reject that connects us to reality the most. So that means it's emotions, it's the heart, it's the soul, and that the mind should not be conquering, controlling all of this, but integrated. This has more of an Eastern, is that element, did you borrow from the Eastern philosophies or? Well, uh, it's found there, but it's also, uh, you know, the future is female. Okay, this is yeah, also this uh, a more that's right. We had all those feminine topics. perspective topics, as well, right? I forgot we had those topics sure. we were talking about. Okay, and what was the last one? That one, I've, that one's a little bit more difficult for wrap my head around. But, sure. but I'm with you. Go ahead. What's the last one? Uh, so the fourth one is that uh, by kind of remembering that we're just animals, we don't try to play God with our thoughts and think that our thoughts know what's beyond us and say that is reality, and so it leads to an intellectual humility. And this intellectual humility, as Einstein would say, leaves space for the mystery. And that if you're going to really say truth in that classical sense of reality, that's how truth comes to us. All right. I definitely need to have you back on. Um, uh, Where can people find more information about your book? Yeah, so uh, look it up on Amazon, Philosophy of Animalism. Also, uh, is the book selling? Yes. Yeah. Are people getting in touch with you? Yeah, so it's I've had this book out for about a week and or maybe 2 weeks and most of the way that I've been engaging with people are through Facebook lives. This is actually streamed currently. Uh I see uh Katie Dolan, Christine Ariaga, John Ortiz. I see some people on there. So you can also befriend me on Facebook, Jonah Tobias, link up with me and I'll be posting Facebook lives more in-depth discussion. So we're going to have this, uh, I'll have this as a podcast. I'll make sure you get a copy oh, uh, of it as well. Jonah Tobias, uh, more information about him can be found uh, with Buku Bro. That's B-U-K-U Bro's, uh, Bro. B-R-O-U-S. Bro, 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 Bro. I'm sorry, yeah. it looks like Bro, sorry. It's been a while since the fraternity. Yeah. 
Buku Brew, which is a B U K U B R O U X dot com. Um, and then also his book, uh, which is The Philosophy of Animalism. Correct. It's such a pleasure. I'm going to have you back in. We'll we'll get another date. We have another show coming up. Uh, Resistance Radio is coming right up. So thank you so much, Jonah. I look forward to uh, to talking with you very again, very thank soon you in the so future. President Nixon.